Hello Rockingham. Thanks to Wizard Lane Bookkeeping and GenMed Bookkeeping Specialists it's time to flame on. Get ready to enter the Hall of Flame. What is up, Flames family? Hope the winter blues aren't getting you down too much. It's been a little chilly recently, but things are about to hot up again at the hot house. It's been nearly 12 months since we had some live basketball in Rockingham. It's on the horizon. The West Coast Classic is about to tip off. In fact, by the time you've listened to this, we may have already had the first game. My name's Stuart Horton. This is the Hall of Flame podcast. And the guest in this podcast is men's captain Ryan Godfrey. We sat down, we had a really good chat about what he's been up to in the COVID break, how he's kept himself busy, how his life has and hasn't changed at the same time. We also talked about getting back into the swing of things. And towards the end, we both nerd out a little bit over some shoes. We have a little bit of fun and Ryan explains what he looks for in a basketball shoe. And I give him a couple of a couple of my shoes to actually critique and, and to say what he likes and what he doesn't like. So a really fun chat. Uh, Ryan, if you've come across him before, he's a great guy, the sort of person that, I mean, we we, we, we could have sat for all day. We could have sat all day and had a, a chat about all things basketball, all things life, really. But I managed to keep it down to about an hour, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we hop into that, we better plug the sponsor. Does the thought of doing your own books make you weak at the knees? Do you put your books off until the last minute? Have you had a bad experience with your previous bookkeepers? Or do you just want more time to focus on the things that are really important, like your business and your family? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Wizard Lane Bookkeeping can help. Wizard Lane Bookkeeping is focused on taking the burden out of your bookkeeping. Its aim is to provide efficient and quality bookkeeping services using Zero and Zero App Marketplace to deliver a user-friendly, cloud-based, all-inclusive accounting system, whatever business you're in and wherever you may be. Call Wizard Lane Bookkeeping on 0434 981 446. Now on to the podcast. Ryan Godfrey's joined me today for a, a sit-down and chat and Ryan, we've already uh, we've already had a pretty decent chat before we started recording. Um, we're probably going to go over a lot of that stuff, but how are you, mate? I mean, I said this when I talked to Chelsea in Paris. It's a really strange time to be alive, a really weird timeline. How have you been through it all since since COVID, the shroud of COVID, sort of covered everyone? Good morning, mate. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks yeah, for it's- Certainly interesting times, um, and like I think when I walked in the door, I wasn't sure whether to shake your hand or not, and yeah, that's yeah. part of the, uh, the common sequence with everyone that you meet these days, is even your own mates, you're not sure how people feel about it, and um, yeah, just, yeah, I really don't know what to think. Um, in terms of everything we've been through, really well, um, obviously haven't been really directly impacted by the uh, virus or anyone in the family which is which is really nice thing um and then to live in such a great state that you know it's handled things really really well um we can kind of see the the light at the end of the tunnel i guess so 
being in WA and certainly through all this, it's, um, yeah, obviously in the back end is looking pretty good. Um, in terms of work and whatnot, there's a few things that change, but, um, yeah, no, doing okay. So for those who don't know, you're, you're a school teacher. You, yeah, that's right, yep. At St Norbert College in, in Kennington, you run the, the basketball program out there. How much changed for you? Because the schools, school stayed open. Um, people made the decision whether they would send their kids or not. So I'm guessing life stayed a little bit normal for you? Or yeah, is, is that I think, not yeah, on yeah, the mark? Being a school teacher, was, it was kind of nice because uh, like hours didn't change. You still rock up to work every day. Um, so that routine was really nice. And I think I found it probably a little bit tough when school finished uh, and then you have to go home and just realise that you, you know, kind of sort of sit on the couch for the rest of the night. I'm not really too good at that. I've kind of got to remain <laughs> active and, and always got to be doing something. So that was always a bit of a challenge. But, yeah, in relation to work, like, I don't know, cleaning a couple of desks and cleaning equipment, that was probably about the only really thing that changed um, right. amongst teaching kids. Um, and then obviously teaching sport, that thing changed a little bit where basketball wasn't really team-orientated stuff. There was a lot of individuals and that kind of thing. And okay. Kids keeping distance, but... Yeah, other than that, like that routine of going to work every day was, you know, was kind of nice and probably why I'm on the back end, you know, really positive about the whole thing. You, you just said you, you, you're not very good at staying still and you've always got to keep active. So what did you do to keep yourself occupied during that time when you couldn't go out and, and, and do stuff? Oh, mate, it was, I think, like, yeah, like you prepare for a season, I think, like before SBL got cancelled, it was like, you go and you do your workouts and then you do your, like your running stuff and then you're on court and then you do your individuals as well like I know you get in that cycle of getting ready for preparation for a season and then all of a sudden it's all taken away and you can't really access anything yeah. it's like oh geez, there's <laughs> I don't really know what else to do here uh, but I ended up I've got a I was I was kind of into my cycling before basketball, so um, in kind of off off season than that. Road cycling road or cycling. Mountain, mountain biking? Road, road cycling. cycling, yeah. So um, I kind of just was able to jump on that and continue, like I guess in the off season, I'd try to at least get, I don't know, the upwards of 100Ks a week at least. Um, and then once basketball kind of stopped and everything stopped, then I was able to increase that. So okay. I was most days just yeah, getting on the bike nice and early before work and put some Ks into the league just just to do something weekend warrior became the the weekday warrior yeah yeah exactly right <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know whether we should get into the whole the whole lycra thing uh, i know it's, <laughs> some people uh, we will you know people people i know and you probably cop it going oh you know what are you doing wearing lycra you think you're you don't go swimming in jeans <laughs> you know this this clothing is made specifically for this activity you wear it Oh, yeah, exactly right. There's, there's a purpose to the gear as well, obviously. Yeah. One, you can't wear a hoodie and cycle because then it just becomes a whole lot tougher. And then, obviously, some of the padding that goes along with it too, it's in appropriate areas to make it comfortable. Um, you definitely need the, the, chamois, uh, the chamois shorts. Yeah, 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 exactly right. So, no, there's a purpose to it. Um, and I've certainly adopted it. I think I spent more... I spent more money in the last, what, six months on cycling gear than I have in yeah. basketball, which I've... I don't think I've ever done in my life. So. And it's not it's not cheap. No, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not, not, no. Especially riding on rides, and, uh, sorry, on the roads, riding on the roads. Uh, you have your sometimes concerns because some interesting people out there, for whatever reason they have against yeah. uh, cyclists. So just being aware of that all the time, trying to keep off the main roads as much as possible. But I know that it was kind of nice, like getting a bit of a thrill out of cycling. And I know the places that I've, 
kind of or that you ride along. I wouldn't even know what they are, but you just kind of go to some cool places that you wouldn't normally go with a car, and it's you get up nice and early. It's just refreshing, and it was just a probably what exactly what I needed during that COVID period. And when you, when something's taken away from you that you've committed to for so long, um, it was just nice to have something else up my sleeve. How how big was the disappointment for you when the season was cancelled? Obviously, you can't just push through and when you know we we're in a pandemic i mean just the word itself is, is so serious so how did that hit you for me uh, like i don't know speaking for myself i just put so much time and effort even to mentally prepare yourself for something like that because it is such a grueling season um both mentally and physically like you're almost in i was in more of a sense of denial to start with like, right like it was almost like you know got, you know shut the borders down like let's just keep playing empty the gyms like don't have spectators we'll just keep playing like and it was kind of that mindset for a bit um, until it was like okay you know a couple of weeks in then you start seeing statistics uh, I got a few friends who are in that medical area and it's like oh hang on you know this is just more than just basketball uh, there's a lot of other people that can be affected and and people that can still work through this pandemic and it was it was really tough uh, you almost saw it coming just because I had to remain intact especially with my job about what you can do and what you can't do. Um, but when it did hit, it's just like, oh man, like, I don't know what to think. <laughs> there was a sense of like, probably relief, sense of disappointment. But then I guess the main thing I took out of it was a sense of like reflection. So to look back uh, on what I've, what I've done, what I'm doing and what I need to do moving forward. So uh, that's what kind of, kind of another thing I took out of that time is that yeah, reflection period on, I guess, life in general, um, and what does that look like with basketball and everything else that I do? So, yeah, it was kind of a step-by-step process, I think. Like, yeah, it's just really, really interesting and, and something I've never had to do, and like along with everyone else. But, yeah, I think handling it like I did, I think was probably, yeah, a pretty nice way for me and something yeah. that's worked. No, you say something we've had to do. I've said this to people I've come across, to friends, even at the hairdressers recently. You read about these life-disrupting moments in history you know world wars great depression even the spanish flu 100 odd years ago and when you learn about these things you never think that you're going to live through one yeah and yet here we are we're living through one and it's just i I, I really i mean i can't really put into words how how it feels like it doesn't feel like normal life anymore no certainly and and you you sit here wondering are we ever going to go back to normality whatever normality was right, right. Are we going to get back to that? Yeah, well, yeah. it's funny, like, I mean, even in WA, like, we can we can see some sort of progress, obviously, for the positive progress, but then that'll reach a point where it's like, okay, then now what's next in terms yeah. of, like, you know, obviously, border control and that international travel? Like, I mean, you, look in, you look in time and see how much we've covered, and then you see Melbourne's thing, and then, like, adding it all together, it's like, we're, I think we're a long way off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'll use the example of going to the footy, which for a lot of people is probably normality. That That's what they do year in, year out, every winter they go to the footy. You can go to the footy now. I mean, 30,000 people can go. All it ta- all it's going to take is one person. If one person's asymptomatic, they've got it, they're showing no signs, they don't know that they've got it, and they go to the footy, we're back to, you know, we're back to zero. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. When you think of it in terms like that, it's like, well, yeah, okay, going to the footy again, back to a bit of normality. It's a hypothetical, but it's it's a real hypothetical. It could happen, and oh, yeah, it's, you don't want to think about it. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's unreal. Like it almost, you almost think to, I don't know, like early days, it was like 
you know what, like, it, this virus almost seems like it's set up to, like, I don't know, we just all got to get it, and then the strongest survive. It's almost how it felt like earlier then. Obviously, yeah. we've, we've got it under control now, which is great. But, yeah, like you said, it only takes one case to just make a cluster and get out of control. Yeah. You touched on all the work that goes into the season, the pre-season, getting ready for it. And I said this in, in the last podcast that both on the court and off the court, so much work went into getting the season ready and we, we had the season launch and I don't know how you felt that night but I you know to see the work that I'd put in on the, the magazine you know to get that in my hand and you know all the players up there getting presented to the club and it's like yes you know it's almost here and then it's taken away I don't know what the point is <laughs> there's not really a question there but that feeling like yeah I remember being, I remember being there that night and you know that sense of excitement around the place and even all the players and what you do for sponsors before that night and, you know, go in there, go see him, say hello and whatnot. Because um, there's all that sort of stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you guys don't just show up and, now, and play right? a game on Saturday. You're putting in yeah. your training, the expectation for you guys as well as you're coaching a team yep. in the juniors. Um, and that's something you said before we started recording. You, you're doing something that someone did for you, so you don't mind, yeah. you don't mind doing that. But then, yeah, you know, all this stuff is also taken away. Yeah, I, yeah, I just... And, and for me, like, you're so busy that you just get in this... You're just ticking every day, just something else, something else, and you just get this routine of, like, a well-oiled train just, like, truck along the train tracks, and then all of a sudden it just comes to a halt, and then it's just like, what? This has never happened. Yeah, what now? And I'm not sure what to think, how to feel. And then, like, yeah, that build-up to that night, I mean, that was fantastic. We had everything in place, and yeah. the, I mean, I talk about the work that I did to prepare for the season, but that's the state of work that you've done and, and everyone else involved at the Flames, in players and staff included, is a tremendous effort to get it up and running, get it to the point where it is. And obviously we're all geared up for a fantastic season or what might have been a fantastic season. Um, but we put all that steps in place and then to all see it just crumble was, yeah, it was certainly disheartening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, since then it's like, yeah, touch base with a few people, but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen everyone from the Flames yet. So okay. that probably won't happen until game night when you get to see familiar faces again yep. and whatnot. So even that aspect you kind of miss. The ref should have checked his cell. He was trash all night. Only thing we can control there is ourselves. Forget the ref, the fan, even the opponent. Handle your business, and the ref will take care of itself. All right? I guess so. You know, everyone was assembled on the night, but someone who wasn't there was Robert Heyer. Now, I'm sure if you're across the flames, you know who he was, but he was one of the imports that was coming in. Really experienced player in the uh, G League in America. I mean, you must have been looking forward to, to seeing a guy like that and sharing a court with a guy like that as well. And, you know, that, that's that gone. There's no guarantee that the club's staying in contact with him or that he may consider coming back. I mean, how are you looking at playing with someone like that? Oh, like, uh, even just have Richard back as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just so excited to have those guys here. For Rob's an interesting one because I think I... I think I... The night that he arrived, I think we had a team meeting that and saying that we cancelled the season. So I'd literally had only oh, known wow. him for about half an hour. Yeah. Um, and then he was off to a, another flight the next day or two. So prior to all that, like, yeah, I guess we, you know, I speak to all the coaching staff and we go through players and things that we need for the upcoming season. Um, and he was someone that we identified as someone we needed in our backcourt just for a bit more depth and, 
um, the ability to obviously, you know, get paint touches and shoot the ball, and he fit that perfectly. And you go through, you know, so many imports or, you know, players looking to come, and he was obviously our final one that we come to a conclusion with and able to sign a contract. You know, that's something you look forward to because the amount of work that yeah. goes into, you know, getting in here. Um, and then only to send him a couple of Facebook messages and then, you know, send him for 30 minutes and then that's it. He's it's gone. It's just like, <laughs> again, I don't know, don't know how I feel. It was, good. It was just kind of venti. It was like, man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like that kind of feeling. Yeah, because you, know, so, uh, you don't yeah. just want to be the best player you can yourself. You want to play with the best players and, and guys who are going to make you better as well. Well, certainly, I like, uh, I mean, I'm at a point in my career where it's like I'm I'm trying to be the best fit for the team. It's not it's not about me trying to get numbers. I'm well past that. Um, I've, yeah, essentially, never really been like that. But it's just like how can we fit all these pieces together as a team to, to for the ultimate goal, you know? And, and that's what drives me every day to try and make sure that Rockham's in a place that we can compete for a championship. So uh, to see that, you know, kind of thrown out the window pretty quickly, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly not nice. We're days away from the start of the West Coast Classic now. This should, this should be a little bit more positive talking about basketball being back. I'm not sure that it will be. What are your thoughts about coming back and playing? Does it feel like a, a token competition? Because there's nothing at stake. It, it, it is being set up to be purely an amateur competition rather than a semi-professional one. So I guess you, you opt in. Yeah. I'm guessing there was some sense of obligation to come back or... I mean, was it an easy decision for you to go, yeah, I'm going to play in this or or not? Because, again, before we started recording, you said Term 3 is looking pretty pretty hectic for you right, because right. of what's happened. I'm guessing your time's already going to be stretched because of that and you're throwing basketball in on top of that. You know, the Flames have to go out to Kalgoorlie. You throw, you know, there's your weekend gone. Yeah. Again, meant to be a purely amateur competition, so you don't have to play if you don't want to. Yeah. How is it for you? Like, um, what do you, how do you look at it? Are you just well, glad to be coming back, or is there still is there a little bit of a sense of, oh, I could really be doing without this? Well, it's kind of, it was kind of a sequence of events, and again, I guess everything that I've done or everything how I felt throughout this process has kind of just been like stage by stage, and it's that well, I feel this particular way, and then I go away, reflect on how the way I felt. And then see where I continue to go from there. And then initially, when I was when I spoke to Pedro about the competition, I was like, "What? Like, why? Like, in everything that's going on right now, like, this should be the least of our worries. Like, why yeah. are we going to commit to a competition like this, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. One when or when Pedro and I started talking about it, and then kind of seeing, well, where's the direction that we approach, and how do we approach this competition? then you kind of get a better sense of like, okay, this is something that I can, can play and this is something that I can look forward to just because of the nature of the competition. It's amateur, not taking it so seriously. Still want to compete, but we're not trying to, I don't know, put our best foot forward and, you know, run through a wall to try and win yeah, this you're not going, you know, 110% yeah. to yeah. all out to win it. Because my argument was it all is like, this is, if it's this type of competition, it's nice feel. Like, yeah. it's only a couple of weeks. Like, that's 
if you win it, then whoopie do you've always you win the championship with the asterisk on it. Yeah, nobody's and, going to look back in yeah. 20 years' time and go, oh, look who won the West Coast yeah, Classic. Exactly right. That stands out as different from the SBL. Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that must have been special. Yeah. So, oh, wait, 2020, that was COVID. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what does that mean? And so, and then, and then the flip side for that, and I was talking about it, I was like, I can't get myself ready in the time that we're asking to play game one. Yeah, we're, we're getting there, but like, I'm nowhere near to play my best and put my best foot forward. Right. Like, like, I'll do the best I can, but nowhere near in the shape that I expect myself to be for ready for game one of an SPL season. So, um, and that's kind of the frustrating part for me was like, oh, you've given us, I can't remember how many, it might have been like six weeks from the announcement or something like that. And it's just like, okay, well, okay, gyms have just opened. Yep. And their minimal time or certain times that you can get in there, it's like, well, I can't get in there with my job. So now I've got to do some stuff on the side. And then, you know, training's only limited, so you can't can't just find a court and shoot. So yeah. there's just there was so many range of factors that, you know, hinders you preparing for a season like this. Yeah, and outside factors as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I know that the women's team were back training before Ryan had even got in touch with the yeah, men's team to right. say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, because um, of the outside factors in his life that were yeah, preventing yeah. him from doing that. And certainly, and I think it's even the, like the plan of attack and how we go about this. Because I, and one thing I found with having Ryan as a coach is that you, you don't just jump into the pool and then we just start swimming. We're going to figure out how we're going to dive in. And then once we're in the pool, then you know what are the strokes that we're going to go with? Um, and how? What's our game plan going to look like? There's so much more to it yeah. than just you know jumping onto a court and playing. So, uh, and we've still been pretty thorough with our training, um, putting all that together, and it's going to be enjoyable to play with you know pretty much a predominantly Rocco list, which is great. But then when you translate it to an SBL, like an SBL season, you're playing against I don't know teams that are loaded with imports, loaded with yeah. you know NBL players, and there's a fair fair bit of talent that's around. West Coast Classic are just kind of feels like I'm rocking up to a domestic game. So, yeah. like, who knows who you're going to be playing against. Like, some teams are going to be loaded, and that's fine. That's their club's decision. Some teams are going to have 18-year-olds that are going to be playing. So, whatever it is, um, I guess as a team, we'll just continue to tackle it. But just the, the funny thing is, the nature of trying to fit into this time period is that, I guess, you know, with, in particular my work, like, there's a lot of sporting associations because I'm, you know, a head of sport that... They're trying to get things up and running. And yep. so, like, now I'm juggling turn three with a mountain of work as well as playing an amateur competition. It's like, oh, like, hang on a minute. Like, what's going to take preference here? So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I'm certainly looking forward to it, though. Like, once we started training, I think the first night, I was like, geez, I need to retire because of... Don't say that. Oh, no, <laughs> no. But it was like, it was just, it was disappointing because I was like, you, you just expect so much of yourself. And that first night, I was like, this is disgusting. I knew it was going to be bad. Just accepting bad, though, and moving forward is yeah. kind of really tough. But once I got past that first session, everything's gotten a whole lot better since then. Um, and the group together like, is, is something we're pretty excited about. And trainers is just something that we just come out and compete every day just to enjoy it because, you know, not everyone wants to come in and just go X's and O's and we're going to go here to here and we have to cover this, we have to cover that. Like, at this time of period... And, I guess we always continue to talk about mental health. Like, 
Um, we just got to go out there and enjoy it. And yeah. that's something we've done really, really well at Rockingham so far. So I guess I was in that sense of like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to participate. Whereas now it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing. So, okay. yeah, very excited about the season ahead. Talking to Chelsea about this, and she said she struggled a little with, with her motivation to come back. You, you're saying it sounds like your enthusiasm for it grew. Was the motivation there to begin with? It was, but it's just more like I was very kind of had the barrier up about, okay, I'm just ready for this to be taken away just because of circumstances that we're in. So I guess seeing what Melbourne are going through right now yeah. is like that's something early on I was like, okay, they've announced the season, but like this outbreak could, they talk about a second wave, this could happen yeah, any it could time happen. and this season's going to be over. So that was kind of an issue. It was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, it's good that they've, well, it's nice that they're trying to do something for the players. Yeah. Um, but I'm ready for it just to be taken yeah. away. So. Do you really want to build up again? Yeah, exactly. Put in all that work again <laughs> just to have it taken away yeah, from you. Yeah, well, that's exactly, exactly right. Like, you know, like to put your best foot forward, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And so now that, you know, WA's handling things really well, so it seems like this season is going to go ahead or at least we'll get a couple of games, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, and so I think if we can do that, then I'll be happy to at least play a couple what are you hoping to get out of playing these games um and i mean further to that is there a little bit of resentment from you like you're by no means old you know Mm -hmm. 30 but in basketball terms you're getting closer to the end is there a little bit of resentment that a year of playing is basically been ripped from you uh yeah, I, I probably... Well, you just... I do you not go it. there? Yeah, just... You probably don't go there. Well, I think... Uh, I think it was a little bit... I was looking at it. I was like, oh, man, this is like a year. I was, I was ready to go and whatnot. But, yeah, force myself not to think like that. Like, what's the point? And what do I get out yeah. of it? I'll probably become out of it more negative than anything. So, You're going to have to teach me how to think like that. <laughs> well, yeah. I, and that's, that's something like... Uh, that goes to all facets of my life. Like, if there's any type of negative, like, then you find a way, you've got to find a way just to put it aside because if you're thinking about something that's not helping you, then like you're in a world of hurt, like you've got to train yourself to get out of it because it's not going to help you and it's not going to help anyone else around you. So uh, that's, I did think about it, but quickly snapped out of it and was like, well, you know what, this is what, this is what the plan that's given to me and you've got to find a way to get through it. So looking for, uh, to this season in particular, personally, it's for me. It's probably to I don't know, prepare for next year. You know, just continue to work on parts of the game and just fine tune stuff, and you know, just get some game time. Really, uh, get some game time into the body because it's been a while since I've played a competitive yeah. game. So that's the thing I'll probably be focusing on, and just you know, getting through some reps. In terms of the team, it just provides a, a wealth of opportunities for a lot of the younger guys that we have. Obviously, we bring in a fair few guys that aren't you know kind of outside the club. Um, so to give the young guys this opportunity to be able to play and compete at this level will be huge, I think. Um, and we've got a number of young guys who are going to touch the court for the first yeah. time and it's going to be valuable for them. Who are some of the guys that, that we should be looking out for? Callum, Callum Beard's the obvious one. Yeah, but... well, certainly. Like, he's someone who kind of gets buried behind you know, a couple of guys that you know, we bring in. Yeah. Um, so he's certainly someone that's, you know, he's certainly bolted up a bit and I think he's 
playing with a lot more aggression. So I'm looking forward to him having a bit of a, yeah, a, I mean, a show-out season. And... Anyone who saw him at the Blitz, the preseason Blitz, he, he was really impressive. And, and Ryan has been talking him so, up a lot. Yeah. So he's the obvious one. Who are some of the other guys that... Um, we got the likes of... Uh, there's Travis Vogel who we brought in. Yep. So he was formerly down south at uh, Bunbury Junior. So he's come in and he's going to get an awesome opportunity to play off the bench. And then I think you even go back to Benny Johnson, who's not necessarily a Rockham Junior, but someone who's touched base with us last year. And yep. we assisted him in getting to his you know, college and college pathway for him but for him to play against men and, and to be able to get game time in this situation just going to be so healthy for him moving forward and trying to get to his desired goals oh Lukey Roberts gets another opportunity yep. probably gets more game time and just to give it a, a fair go uh, and then even you go younger to a couple of our under 18s in Brendan Redhead who's like who certainly can compete there. Yeah. Um, he's only a real tiny frame, but he's a go-getter. And, he's, and in the pre-season game against Perth in Rockingham, um, he stood out initially because, like you say, he's only a small guy. But boy, did he take it to them. And yeah, he, yeah. he was, again, really impressive. Yeah, certainly. I think for him, like I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brennan. Um, and obviously I'm coaching the 18s as well, but I think him taking the step to SPL, like he's just such a sponge just taking everything on board. And I guess, like, for even some of the senior guys, like, oh, it's really only myself and JB and Jackson Hussey, but us being there to be able to help those younger guys yeah. and just to give them bits and pieces of what they need to do just to excel at the next level is just invaluable for those guys. And then for Brendan, like, he's someone who's kind of always probably been a dominant player in Wobble and had a kind of taking things on his own back to do it himself. Um, he doesn't have to do that in SBL. And then learning that part of the game is just going to be awesome for him moving forward. Like we said, looking for the positives. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, yeah. And it's only going to help these guys next year. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, right. And, yeah. and whatever next year brings, well, we'll deal with it it comes. But for now, like I guess, yeah, it's just about getting reps and getting some time with these young guys and, and just developing the next part of, you know, Rockham's wave of talent. Yeah, it's certainly not, a, not going to be about winning as much as we're going to go out there and compete and whatnot, yeah. but there's a lot more pieces to this puzzle for us moving forward as a club. Now, you sat down with me last year and, and did the podcast, and we sort of, we talked about you growing up and how you came to basketball. Your old man hit me up uh, after the game at East Perth, the away game last year, just to say hello, and he, uh, he, he let it slip that you were also a bit of a gun footy player in your in your junior days. Yeah, of course he would say that. And I said, oh, I said, well, yeah, he kept that quiet. We, you know, we didn't touch on that. And, <laughs> and he was like, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, he could have made it. And I wanted to ask you, you know, are you, were you being humble and keeping that in the in the background or is this your dad being a proud dad and saying, oh, yeah, you know, he could have he could have made it. And oh, it's... Hello to Alan if, you, if you're listening. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, he's certainly probably being proud. And, yeah, I guess... Uh, I was I played footy and and all those things and did the development squads and was fortunate enough to make a state team in footy as well. Okay. So I did the the basketball and football double, but yeah, not something that I'll tell you out of the blue or anything like that. Like if you want to ask, then then I'm happy to answer the questions. Okay. So yeah, he he said it did come down to having to pick one over the other. Was that was that the case? Yeah, yeah, that was um, it was. Was it about 16, 17 at the time? And I was fortunate enough to make a few state teams in basketball. And then um, I was fortunate enough to 
make the 16s AFL state team. Okay. And then from after that, it was kind of like, okay, I can't really continue to do both because the workload, as you move up, um, I was starting to, well, I was on the brink of hitting SBL and then it's either SBL or I go play Waffle. So okay. it's like, well, I can't, can't play at both levels like that for another year kind of got to come down to a decision so yeah okay where did you play on on the footy field i could sort of see you through the center or am i yeah so oh i was kind of utility like i okay. uh, played for rockingham back in the day and it was just kind of wherever gaps were is that's kind of where i played so it was whether it was playing forward was it in the midfield i think even playing back i was happy to do that and i think even sometimes i'd thrown into the ruck just because I had a bit of a vert back then, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Playing for Peel was probably more of a key back. And then for the state team was, um, yeah, I was a key back for them as well. So, yeah, probably if I was to make it, which was probably a long shot, it probably would have been, yeah, probably a backline type player. Okay. Yeah. Still, you still keep an eye on the footy play. You, I guess what I'm trying to ask, are you keen footy fan? I mean, most West Australians are. Uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I am a keen footy player and I'll, Throw, uh, put it on I think when AFL come back I was pretty happy for it to be back yeah. even though the quality wasn't great but it was good to have something on TV and it's something I'd certainly follow like involved in you know the AFL fantasy teams and yeah. little tipping comps so I yeah, have a strong interest in it for sure who, who do you support? I think uh, well I support Port Adelaide okay. um, I'm a fan of the Eagles but I I just enjoy AFL in general Okay. Yeah. how did you come to Port Adelaide? I just wanted to be different like I was right. I did like the Eagles growing up, yep. um, but then I was like, man, like everyone goes to the Eagles. Like, I'm just, I'm becoming another number. It's the norm. That's like, interesting. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not like diehard fan. Yeah. So it was at such an early age, it was just, oh, you know what? Port Adelaide, new club, fresh start. Cool colours. Um, yeah, I love, love the colours. The jersey was wicked, and I was like, you know what? I can, I can be a part of that. And yeah, well, I think what they do on game days now is something I really enjoy. And yeah. yeah, happy to support them. That's yeah. interesting because my my youngest brother goes for Port Adelaide, and I think he, it was the same with him. Yeah, okay, he, yeah, he wanted he wanted to be different. Although, which is a little bit weird in our house because I'm an Essendon fan, and the rest of my family go for West Coast. And then right. he was like, "Oh, why, why am I? I'll go for Port <laughs> Adelaide." I guess we already had that that difference in the household because I was the odd one out there. But what? ultimately made you gravitate towards basketball did did you see that as a clearer pathway to making it or you just enjoyed it more yeah it was probably interesting because i mean even taking the afl pathway like i've probably spoken to uh, i've spoken to a couple of afl teams so you got that, to that so. point like you got that you were oh it was just like you kind of have a general chat because of at that point, they know that you're playing both sports. Yeah. So I guess they, you know, they just check in just to see where your head's at. And see, you, what your... when I brought this up, you sort of played it down and, uh, you know, oh, oh yeah. I yeah. answer what you what Yeah, you I, I, know, <laughs> I know, but, you know, um, yeah, you know, you, you got to that point where you're actually in communication with some clubs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you have that kind of that aspect from AFL, which is very enticing. It's like, oh, okay, well, I must have done it right, like, it sure doesn't mean that I'm going that pathway or going to make the yeah. NFL, but, uh, you know, there's some interest there that, you know, if I continue to improve and continue to get better, then there might be something at the end of the tunnel. And then there's the flip side of basketball where at that point or in that particular time, they're like the link from basketball in WA to 
being a professional or even college was like is non-existent. Like it yeah. was just like what's okay. You make a couple of state teams, you finish that, and then what's next? Like there was there was no direct pathway. There was no awareness. There was nothing that was talked about. So it was like you kind of sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm like I should probably probably look at the footy pathway a bit more. But then when I looked at it, I was like, you know what? Like I enjoy basketball and the group of guys that I was growing up with. Um, in terms of my age group and the state teams that we played in and the experiences that I had previously to that, I was like, I, I can't walk away from that. The basketball just, there's something I'm just so passionate about. Like footy I enjoyed and I'm also played for fun up until that point. Right. And it was like, okay, well, if, if I move forward in football, I've got to take a bit more seriously than what I am right now, which for me, I, I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know how I would like that. Um, but for basketball, I had a passion. I competed. I worked so hard for it because I was never, I was never gifted in basketball. I was always with the state teams. I was always like the fourth or fifth player. Right. You know, um, in my wobble teams, I was always that kind of player as well. So I've just always continued to just improve and progress and progress, and it's all through hard work to be able to get to, I guess, that point. Um, and then to make the decision was, it was extremely tough because I know Dad would have. He was all AFL, so that's, okay. that's all he knew. That's all he wanted me to do. But then, I, yeah, I couldn't turn down basketball. Even though I didn't know where I was going, I didn't know what was next. I was like, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I enjoy it that much. And if I don't make it or if I don't do anything with basketball, at least I can be happy that I've enjoyed it up until, you know, whatever I do next. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, once I made that decision and once I committed to basketball, then, you know, kind of, it was weird. Like everything else just kind of stepped into place and I just started ticking along and yeah did all the pretty cool things that I did yeah which we touched on yeah last time we, we sat down and had a conversation like this and it, people can go back and listen to that rather than us rehashing it <laughs> yeah, absolutely. do you ever find yourself though thinking oh what if uh yeah a couple of times yeah absolutely um it was like I guess it's all the moments where I don't know kind of the, the down moments or when things aren't going the way you want it to in a particular, whatever area that is, um, then you do look back and you're like, oh, like, I probably could have, if I'd made a decision, I wonder where I would be now. Like, yeah. But yeah, like I'm quickly to snap out of it because of the, the fundamental reasons of why I chose basketball. Like I think if I was playing footy now, like it'd probably be still, it'd, be, it'd probably be a chore if anything. Yeah, okay. Um, and that, that, the, and the basketball, like I, I could play at any level, and I would just love it. Yeah. Um, like once I'm out there and playing and going through those things, like it's yeah, I, I can't describe it. It's something that is just yeah would override any decision I make. Okay. So, yeah, happy to live with it. You don't know what sort of toll footy could have taken on your body as well. Like well, that's not yeah. to say basketball's not a well, tough sport. Uh, yeah, and one of those moments was even in, when I was in college, like. Uh, had some interesting experiences in college and the ups and downs of that ride so and especially the lows it's like oh man like uh, am I really getting anything out of this like can I just go home and and go you know call up a couple of pubs and see if I can get tryouts and get the you know get the kick going again yeah. but uh, Chosa stuck at it for you know the fundamental reasons um, and even when I got hurt in college I was like oh if I was playing footy would this even happen like tearing your Achilles is a pretty brutal thing and that was yeah certainly time to reflect but no uh, Enjoyed basketball way too much and had too much of a passion. After we spoke last time, we, we had a little bit of a chat, not recording, 
and I this might be a tough thing to bring up, but I do I do want to bring it up with you again. I said to you, I I can't understand having watched you play for the last couple of years. I can't understand how you've never had a proper crack in an NBL club. How you've never had a run at the NBL level. And the reason I said that was you and Kevin White played together. And this is not a critique of Kevin, who's, who's a very good player. And I sort of saw you guys as being at a similar level. Now, Kevin's had a 10-year NBL career. You had a development player role with the Wildcats. And then you said at the time that you thought, you, I think your, your words to me were actually like, oh, I'm glad someone else thinks that too. You obviously had have the had and have the belief in yourself that that you were good enough for that level. Why do you think it's never happened for you? It's probably a sense of timing. Right. Just to get those opportunities to compete that level. I guess, yeah, trying to play at the NBL level is kind of it's extremely... Well, to play at that level, I think, like, it's fine. And, and I'm probably on one of a million people that could be playing in the NBL but just don't have the opportunity. And interesting one. Oh, it's hard to say because I, if I knew the answer, you could probably rectify it, and and I'd well maybe I'd be there. So you said, I mean, you just said an opportunity did present itself. Was that the development role, or were we talking further well, yeah, down the track? Well, yeah, the development role at that particular time was that I was was like eighteen or seventeen, eighteen when that opportunity presented itself, and so you did that, and then you you went off to yeah, college, but like. The one at the time, it was like, do you, uh, do I fully commit to the development role? And because at that particular time, if I committed to the development role and I took the money, and that would make me, it makes me a stronger part of the team yep. versus, okay, I've decided to go to college. So now if I take the money, I can't go to college. And I, if I take that role, so I kind of was like a developed player slash like trainee player. Like I'd go in every day and do everything they did, yep. but I just, would never have the opportunity to play um, with them. So I guess that's an opportunity in itself. So if I, and that's something I do think about, is if I change my decision to take that development role and be a part of it and suit up and those kind of things, then, well, somewhere along the line, I reckon I would have got a couple of minutes and I would have been able to at least display something. And then, you know, it trickles on from there. However, at that particular time, MBL wasn't a great thing to be involved in. There was no... Like it was kind of just a lack of direction, and it, and it wasn't as as great as as it is now. So that's why I chose to go to college to keep my options open. Yeah. Um. Go to college, obviously, one to get a degree, compete at another level, get all those other life experience as well. But to just build on my resume and see if I can do something else, because NBL is just there's limited spots <laughs> and like yeah. And even now, it's even more. There's more limited. So if you get a contract, you, that is. Like absolute prices. Yeah. Do that contract. So, I mean, what are we talking? Ten contracted spots, yeah. eight teams. It's, I mean, it's 80, yeah. 80 players. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, um, so it's it's brutal itself. And you think about how many players play basketball and how many incredible players are playing basketball. They, they just don't get the opportunity. And there was plenty in my age group growing up that could have easily played in the NBL. There's no question that they could play, but it's just the opportunity and the timing that presents itself, you know? And for me, that necessarily didn't work out. Now, one is that just being in WA, being so isolated, the, pe- the people that I grew up with, my juniors and the coaches have kind of moved on and yep. that network quite, kind of wasn't there for me. Do you feel going to college, you kind of out of sight, out of mind? And then when you came back, it was like, 
someone might have seen you a few months later and been like, oh, you're back. Yeah, to a certain extent, and I probably would have handled probably things a little bit differently if I had my time again. I was kind of doing it all by myself, and and it, yeah, if I had had, you know, maybe a bit more mentoring, I guess, and just okay. uh, someone to check in with, yep. then that probably would have been handy about, you know, how do you need, or what do you need to do to, you know, try and either stay in the NBL or what do you need to build a resume to go pro and things like that. That would have been nice because I was kind of just doing it all by myself. On that note, I mean, Luke, you played with Luke Travers for, for a long time. Were you sort of a sounding board in that way for him? Did he come to you? Did you offer him advice or... Well, Luke, Luke's very quiet himself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he certainly probably wasn't asking for it. But, yeah. I don't know, you just you say a couple of things here and there. And obviously, he always, um, always spoke to mum and dad as well. So, yeah. yeah, Luke's in a pretty fortunate position. Like, he's well on the map. Yeah. And I think even just the, the awareness that people provide basketball players now is just exceptional. And I think if I had that when I had my time it'd be you know it'd be probably a different circumstance for sure. the thousands of basketball players at my age group so because it is it, I mean like you said that 10 12 years ago the NBL wasn't a great competition yeah but, but even the exposure all it was was like it was an email it was a phone call but there's no like YouTube highlights there's no Instagram things there's no like articles that are taking off there's no word of mouth in that like global sense of the internet yeah um, to where your name bounces around a lot. Someone like somewhere like the pick and roll, where they've got yeah, people yeah, who are looking yeah. at Australians who are based Huge. in the United States and, and keeping in touch yeah, with them. And, and I think like it's just massive for junior basketball players now, and I think like the rates of professional basketball players from Australia is going to continue to go up and up just because of that exposure. Um, that where it necessarily won't be in the NBL, but there's plenty of other opportunities all around the world just because there's there's that awareness now that, you know, Australia does have some good basketball players. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, uh, I don't know what my opinion means to you, probably zero. <laughs> oh, and there's probably other people rattle, rattling around Mike Barnett Centre who, who feel the same way, but, uh, yeah, I, it's never it's never sat well with me. Like, how is this guy not... Not got to crack at a higher level. He's yeah. definitely the talent is definitely there. The drive is clearly there. Yeah, so. but like it, it's it's like that for all the other sports in the world. It's like that for like in my particular age group and people I grew up with. There's so many other people that that sh- should be well. You say should be, but they could be playing in the NBL or they could be playing pro. But yeah, that's just the nature of pro sports. Like you yeah, just got a bit of luck on your side, a bit of timing and. And when the opportunity comes, you've got to take it. It's a ruthless beast. No, absolutely. But <laughs> it is what it is. And then it's, yeah, it's the same. Like, you know, we have this conversation. There's probably someone in the, you know, AFL or, you know, that waffle sphere that you can be talking about particular players that never made it. And yeah. it's just, it's the same sort of thing, you know. Like, it's just that the timing and the opportunity of when things arrive. But yeah, I mean, seeing with you and talking about it then and now, you know, some, pe- some people might be like, oh, you know, I could have made it, you know, oh, and carrying that chip on the shoulder, but there's clearly there's clearly none of that with you, which is um yeah it's well yeah refreshing. I mean, if if you think you've done everything you can with in that particular time that you you had and all the resources that you had and you've done your best, then that's all you can ask for. Like, um, and that's what I feel like I've done, and it's not like uh, I'm doing nothing now. Like I'm pretty happy yeah. with where I'm at and and what I'm doing in terms of basketball and being a part of Rockingham Flames and even just my job is helping juniors, yeah, yeah. you know, like if I can give them 
a quarter of the opportunity of that or the quarter of the experience that I've had throughout basketball, then those kids are going to be pretty lucky. You said a little while ago you spent more on cycling gear in the last six months than on any of your, on any of your basketball gear. I, I did want to ask you uh, what, what what kicks you're rocking at the moment, whether you've upgraded from last season because you, you played most of last season in uh, Under Armour. Yeah, the Curries. Curries. Yep. Have you gone to a different shoe this year, or how, yeah, how's that so looking? I think even in my last conversation, it normally takes me, I don't know, I've got, even ever since the Achilles injury, it takes me a while to wear in my shoes and get comfortable with them. Um, so now I'm in the, I'm in some Paul George's, but like not the current model, last year's model. Uh, so the threes. Yeah, I think they're the threes, so rocking them in all black. And then I have uh, some red and white, predominantly white Kyrie's. Okay. So hopefully align them with the uniforms. <laughs> right. And then this is interesting. And this is, is what something I, I did want to ask you about is what you look for in a sneaker. Because it seems different shoes suit different types of players, I would have thought. Obviously, the KDs and the Paul Georges and the LeBrons are going to suit a more power-orientated player, whereas the Kyries and the Hardens and the Dames are more suited to a more agile point guard because right. that's the player who's developed them. So it's interesting to hear you say you've, you've got a pair of Paul George. Yeah, I was interested this, in this time. I found them in my hands. <laughs> yeah, they, they go all right. Because yeah. um, I mean, yeah, one that's always just had like guard-orientated yeah. um, shoes. So... I think before the Curries I had, like Chris Paul's Jordans, I had a range okay, of those, so yeah. I was with them for a while because they were just, yeah, super comfortable. Um, but yeah, the Paul George is going all right. Um, They're, they are a beautiful looking shoe, like aesthetically, yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. massive fan of. Yeah. The fours I'm not huge on because they've got the zipper now right, at right, the top right. and yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, don't know how that how that goes but I mean what do you look for in a, in a shoe is it purely comfort it's it, comfort it's lightweight it's low cut just because I feel a bit more mobile in them I just feel like we do guard like things I guess sure. whereas I think I had I got LeBron's one year and I thought I think I wore them for one training session I've, well I haven't thrown them in the bin but I just put them back in the box and I was like haven't seen them ever again no. so just like too bulky and, and just not that type of player like i guess i'm a bit of a, a power guard but yeah try to be light on my feet and i think like the lower cut um low weight but obviously comfortable um yeah something out my alleyway. way okay you know i gotta keep it fresh on and off the court young guys like us you can't get caught looking old young guys yeah i play in china now i'm a rookie you're a rookie my car's not gonna wash itself you are a rookie. Don't touch my radio. So while we're talking about shoes, I've, I've got a few a few of the ones I own out here. Um, guard shoes as well. Yep. Now, obviously, I, I, I'm not a player. I'm just into the, the look and sort of the, the culture of the whole uh, the kicks thing. You know? yep. So what you've got there in your hand is the Dame, the Adidas Dame 6 in a sort of half black half green how do they feel in the hand of the, is, is that a, a good lightness for you yeah i'll tell you what i actually don't mind these and there's something i did look at them but i, I think even when i spoke to you last time it's like i just have something against adidas i don't know uh, okay i don't know what it is um but i've just never had a good experience with an adidas shoe and that's obviously gone back a couple of years ago so when i was a bit younger but these actually feel pretty good and they got a nice cut on them too and then the sole of them 
that'll work on a basketball court as well. They're huge. The sole on those are huge. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I think I'm about an inch taller in them. <laughs> just, <laughs> I was just that's a pretty cool colorway too. Yeah, a friend of mine was like, oh, what do you, you know, that's gross. What are you thinking? And then when he saw them in person, he was like, okay, I was wrong about those. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think they look awesome. And as, as I said, that, that that's what I'm, you know, I'm looking at them thinking, yeah, that's that's a cool shoe. They're actually a little bit like the, um, kind of feel a bit like the Under Armour Currys. Okay. Yeah. Which is something I never thought I'd wear. I never thought I'd wear Under Armour basketball shoes. So, yeah, maybe I have to go back and give that. There you go. It is, it is sort of a thing that people can be a bit snobby about. You know, oh, Under Armour, that's not a basketball company. Um, I was like that early on. Yeah. yeah I was just like, it's just Nike. Nike was everything. Yeah. yeah. I, when Keegan and uh, Ryan did the first podcast of this year, I asked what their favourite basketball shoe was, and, and Keegan said that he's a big fan of the um, Kawhi New Balance. Right. And Ryan sort of turned his nose up. So, what, what? I didn't pack Keegan up on the podcast because I was... Um, sort of taken by Ryan's reaction to that, but they're actually a beautiful shoe. They're yeah, a real yeah. beautiful think, looking uh, shoe. Actually, I think going on our team at the moment, Jackson Hussey's got a pair of those. Right. They, look, they look good. I don't know if I could wear them. I'd yeah. have to probably see enough to uh, post them personal, but yeah, they do look a nice shoe. Yeah. All right, let's pass you the, the these are the, I've got now in my hand a pair of the Dame Fives. Bit of a pattern emerging here, and I, I've made no secret of my my fandom for Damian Lillard in the past. So these are the Dame Fives, the earlier issue of those in all black. What, what do you think of those? And I can tell you those are, are comfy as, yeah. and I actually wore those when I played in the charity game last year, and they felt great. Like, just to, to wear just as a casual shoes. Mate, you, you obviously didn't see. It was <laughs> yeah, not, not good. <laughs> I think it was none from four from the free throw line. So and, the shoes don't come with a satin line either. Oh, no, no. It's pure, purely uh, aesthetics there. But they, like, they, they were really comfortable, like, running up and down the court. They, they felt great. So. Yeah. I'm probably against these. One, because of the, the high cut, and then the imbalance on the kind of the mid-ankle area. Okay. So I don't like, not a fan of that. But then feeling, obviously, inside the shoe, there's a bit of, looks like there's a bit of comfort there, or something that could provide a bit of comfort, a bit of stability. So if this top part was cut off, then these might work. That top part actually, it doesn't sit on your ankle; it's away from it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, which is a weird feature of it, but um, and it's got sort of these bars along the outside and the inside. I don't know if that's there for, for to offer support in that area, but or just to look pretty. Oh, that'd be offer just more stability, so your foot doesn't roll in and out of the shoe because of the material, like. If that was to over a couple of games of a, a West Coast competition, that could probably get a bit unstable. So that's probably why those things are there. Right. But no, it's a nice shoe. Um, I probably I wouldn't be seeing myself in these though. Wouldn't go for them. Off the rack. No. All right. Uh, these are a little bit older. Uh, hardened too. Again, Adidas. And it's not. I only bought these because they were like a hundred bucks, and I was like, oh, what the hell. Yeah, you know, I'll wear them. I was thinking the same thing. Are these, this is not back like a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, Something about like that. that. Yeah, because I, I looked at these as well, and I was like, oh, for the price that they were, I was like, well, you know, I don't mind my shoes. I'm not into them as certainly as what I used to be. Yeah. Uh, this is something I considered, but then when I picked them up, was like they're pretty bulky. Yeah, yeah. Again, the sole on them um, is kind of huge. I lent those to, to Caleb White last year. He, he had mentioned that he wanted to try them out, and I said, oh, I've got a pair. Like, And he goes, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. try them out. And I was like, oh, so how were they? He was like, yeah, they were okay. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. That's probably how I've seen. Like I don't mind the don't mind the low cut. I don't mind the lace up area. But how the sole sticks out on the side, not uh, not a complete fan of that. And then I think even just that material, like that's on the sole there, it just creates a bit of bit of weight. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's their bounce sort of material, which oh, is their their high tech. I mean, you can go on YouTube and, and, and have a look at yeah, how this stuff is made and what it does. Like the tests they do where they drop a steel ball on it and the thing actually bounces like three times. Right, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of great. I don't know if that's that material. but It's a good looking shoe though. They, yeah, again, aesthetically, uh, which is what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah it's nice, but to wear them, um, even just to walk around in, uh, yeah, those have only been on my feet three or four times. Yeah, right. Now, I pulled these out, um, the pair of Jordan 1s, just for fun. Could you ever imagine running around and playing playing basketball in a pair of those? I don't know, let alone scoring, was it, 69 against Boston Celtics? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. That's tough. I'd, yeah. As a cultural icon, as a casual shoe to look at, iconic, like, it is... Absolutely. It, it is... And I, and I love wearing them around just as a casual shoe. Great. But I, I, I can't picture how they were in any way comfortable, how they offered any support. Yeah, oh, yeah, baffles me, mate. Um, <laughs> at least you know they'd stay together because they're just all wrapped in leather. Um, they wouldn't break, that's for sure, which is um, something that shoes these days do. Yeah, I mean, those are... Part. I've had those for four and a half years, and I, I used to wear those to work. I used to wear them every day. And they've held up exceptionally well. Yeah, right. I mean, the weight's not bad of them. Considering when they were made, they fit that weight category, but certainly not in the ankle and even just the sole as well. I, I couldn't see that um, doing my feet any good on the last one. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm sure you watched The Last Dance being a massive Michael Jordan fan. Sure. And he fished out his, his, uh, his pair from his first game at Madison Square Garden to wear in his last game. And he was talking about how his feet were bleeding at the end of it. And That's right, yeah. Yeah, you can, you know, running around in them, you can absolutely sort of understand how they, they wouldn't have been great to play. I'm surprised he didn't have that um, when he won the first time around. Because <laughs> he was arguably yeah. more, more explosive when he first had these. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Nah. Cool, cool shoe. Yeah, absolutely. casual for sure. Yeah. Anyway, a bit of fun there. I mean, it's probably a little bit hard for people listening, not being able to to see them. But um, no, I thought that that'd be a fun exercise just to because I know you know we've we've spoken about shoes in the past, and um, sure. I know you were more into them than you are now. But you are one guy that you can you can have have a chat to Absolutely. about these things. Absolutely. And it's a fun part. It's one of the attractions of basketball is, is is the culture around it. You know, not just the game itself, but the jerseys and and the shoes. They become well, you put that in accessories yeah, that come along. Yeah, it becomes right? casual wear. Yeah. You know, I wear basketball singlets around as, as a casual piece of clothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think that even when Kobe Bryant passed earlier this year, yeah. I'm pretty sure I wore his jersey for the week. Right. <laughs> just wouldn't take it off. Yeah. Um, I almost slept in it. So. Um, yeah, certainly. I'm yeah, big fan of the jerseys and yeah, certainly a fan of basketball shoes. We're hit pretty hard by that. I mean, a huge shock, oh, obviously. Yeah, like yeah, certainly like uh, someone you look up to a fair bit, um, and especially take a lot of things out of his game that you try and implement. I guess the mamba mentality. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Like I think, but like that, that mentality, a lot of people, a lot of people need that in their lives and that type of mentality because I think. 
as just a whole, we're becoming a bit bit vulnerable, I think. Yep. So and having and being strong and, and empowering yourself is a massive thing. Um, and for him to do it the way he did, I thought it was exceptional. And there's something, there's aspects that I took away from it for sure. But yeah. for him, yeah, I, I didn't believe it when I got the notification on my phone. I was like, I woke up and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is some sort of hoax or was it? I don't know. I didn't know. Agri Fools, maybe? Or yeah. Like, it, was, it was actually my birthday. My wife woke me up and she oh, was she goes, Kobe Bryant's dead. dead. And I'm like, you know, I was asleep and she's woke me up. Yeah, yeah. She says, oh, by the way, Kobe Bryant's dead. I'm just like, hang on, what? Yeah. Did you just say that or am I still asleep? Like, yeah. I think I just sat in front of the couch and I just looked at like, the, the news panel and it just kept revolving around the same story and then you get your phone on you and it's just like, man, I don't even know what to make of this. Like, yeah. Just such an icon like that and yeah it just shows you know we're not all invincible and yeah when it's our time it's our time like i see helicopters now it's just like all i think about is Kobe. you are a massive michael jordan fan um anyone who listened to the last podcast with you knows that and i talked about the last dance with paris and chelsea yep. I, I don't think i need to ask you did you watch it how did you find it oh it's pretty oh, it was exceptional because i mean for me it was and, I, and through the COVID thing, it's, it's the whole theme of, I guess, 2020 for me has been a whole part of reflection. Yeah. And it's like you watch, I watched the, the last dance and it was just all reflecting about like, man, like this is, these are all the things or this is a guy that I watched growing up and he was probably a strong part of why I had structured such a strong passion for basketball yeah. and why I want to get so much out of it is because like, I know it's such a hard game to master and there's so many things that, so many variables that you can occur and you can manipulate it with particular skills that I just thought is fascinating and he's the one that really brought that out of me um, so I'd be able to reflect on like childhood memories I used to sit with his documentaries just on replay and replay yeah. and replay and that's all I used to watch um, it definitely hit on the nostalgia nerve for those of us yeah, who, who yeah. grew up through that period yeah certainly like it was exceptional but I guess early on it was like oh like once you got the hang of like okay we're going talk about a particular story then we go back in time yeah once i got the hang of that i even enjoyed it even more yeah because going into it you know the last dance it was billed as this deep dive into the last season 97 98 and that's what i went in expecting it was going to be all about that season correct we've got all this footage and then suddenly they're going back and yeah yeah (laughs) and then you know you get like a couple episodes in and it's like okay this is actually a Michael Jordan documentary. It's not a Chicago Bulls one. So you, well, expectations yeah, sort of yeah, change. It was kind of Michael Jordan facilitating the whole thing, wasn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, he had the final say on when and how that footage could yeah, be used. Yeah. which is fair enough because when you're that... It's, yeah, that, that powerful. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was really just in here, like, you know, Dennis Rodman was kind of crazy and was a very interesting character, but it was, it was just awesome to see, like, how the Bulls took him in and really, like brought out his strengths yeah. you know, and harnessed the type of person that he was. Have you seen the 30 for 30 doco yeah, on him? Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah, such an interesting dude. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Obviously because he's out there, but, I mean, he was homeless at one point. His mum kicked him out because yeah, he wasn't yeah. didn't have a job when he was 18. and yeah. Very late to college. Yeah. And I think he didn't go into the league until his mid-20s. Yeah. Such an unconventional path. And, yeah. Yeah, thoroughly recommend it to anyone yeah, yeah. who hasn't seen it. Certainly. And then even the... Um, Parts about Scotty Pippen, there were some parts that I wasn't aware of either, and it's like, oh, you kind of, you know, you're packaging all your the information you know about the Bulls, and yeah. you, know, you know, you're still bringing, still learning, even today, about, you know, what what's going on in that type of environment. I thought it was really, really cool. So, yeah, yeah certainly got a lot out of it. Um, would have 
I guess what even probably makes it more enjoyable is that they left you out hanging for a week between episodes. No, so you, two episodes. Now I talked about this last time, and I hated that. I can't <laughs> wait for, for TV shows. Oh, I hated it, but I also like. Oh, Monday, it's the anticipation like, oh, of it got you. Yeah, yeah they hooked you on the. Oh, I just wanted the ten straight away. Just let me go straight through. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. Yes, let's well, do. Think, it's one a.m. Who cares? Yeah. There's four episodes to go. Let's do it. Yeah, see, I can't do that. I can't can't sit there for that long. But I think once the the tenth one after that finished, I was like, what now? I sat there for an hour on the couch and was like, oh, do I restart? Like, okay, am I done? I just didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Kerr, if if you didn't live through that period and you watched that and that was your only understanding of, you'd have thought Steve Kerr was a massive part of these these teams because of the prominence he he played in that series. But gee whiz, they made a, a like I don't even want to call him a role player. He was a five minute a night guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. God, and that's not to downplay, you know. I mean, no. the guy's got four championships as a player on top of what he's done as a coach. But I think it's because of what he's done as a coach, people know who he is now. People yeah. who, kids who didn't grow up during that period, they know him as Steve Kerr, the coach. You know, he's a very high-profile figure at the moment. So I think that's probably why they did it. But, geez, he came out of it looking pretty good, I thought. Yeah, well, I think, like, he, you can be a really good player and you can kind of probably shy away from the limelight where he was kind of the guy that just popped up at the right time and made big plays. And, mm. like, making those big plays is why he's such a big why a big part of it and probably why he had a big part in that last dance is because he stepped up in big moments where you know some other guys just just don't or yeah. you know, don't make those types of shots or those types of plays so therefore you kind of just get forget about a little bit it's like anything if you win a championship you're, you're always going to be remembered somewhere down the line yeah. if you don't win anything then you know you kind of yeah, whether you, whether they were a prominent part of that team or as a curiosity yeah, oh, exactly. he was on that team Andrew Gase won an NBA title Yes, he did. 1999 yeah. with San Antonio. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> a curiosity, yeah. even though he didn't get any minutes in the in the playoffs. Oh, well, they did the dirty on Jerry Krause, I thought. But... Oh, certainly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit hard run by, but yeah, we all knew who, who runs that documentary. Yeah. Hey, a, a friend of mine pointed this out, and I'll run it past you. Wayne Knight's character from Space Jam, the manager, the bumbling, big, you know, the yeah. big, fat idiot. Was was that MJ having a general pop at Jerry there, or? Ooh, I never thought see about the, that. You can sort of see the physical similarities, and hmm. yeah, a friend of mine pointed that out. I thought it was interesting. That's very interesting. I wonder if there's more of that story. <laughs> I don't think we'll find out. No, I don't no, think that's something not. MJ wants us to know about, <laughs> unless you comply him with more of that uh, tequila he was drinking throughout, loosen his tongue a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Mate, we could sit here all day and talk about this, I'm, I'm sure, but uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you run. Really appreciate you, you giving up your time, coming in and having a, a chat, opening up about your, what could have been with your footy career. That was yeah. interesting. Good, and uh, yeah. best of luck for, for the West Coast Classic. And, uh, yeah, I hope you get out of it what, what you hope and looking forward to some live sport. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. Yeah, looking forward to getting out of there for the Rocky and Faithful and seeing what we put on display and, yeah. See what we can make of it. Can't wait. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Well, that wraps things up. That's another Hall of Flame podcast in the can. I hope you enjoyed listening. As I said at the beginning, I had a a really good time. Really enjoyed the chat with Ryan. Before I sign off, I just want to 
give a shout out to everyone who's listening to the podcast. I, I really appreciate the support. We're getting some some good numbers and consistent numbers um, from last year, even crossing into this year, which has been really encouraging. And and the only reason I do it is to give you an insight into what makes some of the people around the club tick, and to help raise the profile of basketball in Rockingham. Well, we all want the best for this club on and off the court. So a big shout out to you, whoever you may be, wherever you may be listening. I really appreciate it. And of course, uh, another thank you to the podcast sponsors, Wizard Lane Bookkeeping and GenMed Bookkeeping Specialists. My name's Stuart Horton. It's another Hall of Flame done. Thanks for listening. Next home game is Saturday, August 1st. Just the men, the women get a, a week off because the opponent is Geraldton. So that's Saturday, August 1st at 7pm. Until next time. Stay safe, have fun, go Flames. Just take off your shoes, just take off your shoes. You've nothing left to lose, just take off your shoes. The shoes stay on my feet, the shoes stay on my feet. The shoes stay on my feet, the shoes stay on my feet.